Welcome back to People Who Teach, a podcast about the habits, beliefs, and ideas of real people who teach. My name is Brian Seppi, one of the hosts, and I share this space with my talented colleague, Mr. Andrew Stella. Today's episode is a great sit-down discussion with Scott Martin. Scott has had a direct influence and impact on Andrew. So imagine being Andrew sitting in this discussion with a teacher that has influenced his path in education. It's mind-blowing. I really think you're going to enjoy it. Scott shares his stories when it comes to leading culture and really getting students to operate with a sense of voice and choice in his classroom, all the way to his experiences in leadership as an athletic director and also a building principal. He talks about leading people and really creating a climate and a culture that exudes consistency and values all people and has a direct impact on student learning. Now Scott's talents have taken him to think about that when it comes to the technology we integrate in our classrooms. He has this platform, Go Think Tech, where he is trying to cultivate a place where students and teachers can develop tools for implementing technology in a robust platform that answers the question with how do we get our students operating from a place of voice and choice when it comes to technology integration. I think you're going to find some value in this episode. And at the end, be sure to check out the show notes and find a way to connect with Scott offline. Let's get right into the episode. Thanks for being here. We are here today with a very special guest, uh, and I will let Andrew unpack this one because it has a unique tie to Andrew and his path to education and what he's all about. So, Andrew. Take us away. Yeah, let's do this. So, uh, you know, this is uh, one of the first guests that that I have brought on that uh, we had Tyler last week. It was a great podcast if you guys haven't checked it out. Um, and Scott uh, is, he was my old teacher. Um, he was my teacher when I was in 10th grade. Uh, I remember at the high school and he was one of those teachers who I always remembered. Um, and we have those teachers as we move through and you know, Brian, we've talked about um, that girl that you had as a student who invited you to her graduation as she went through. And and Scott Martin is one of the teachers that I remember as having an impact on me as a student and me as a teacher, too. So um, Scott and I have stayed in contact. And um, now I'm actually I was working in the city of Buffalo for a number of years. And then I came back and I'm actually teaching at my old elementary school, which is in the same district that Scott was the teacher in, which he took over as a principal. And we'll get into that here in a little bit. So a lot of backstory there, Brian. I'll tell you, it's a cool way to start, though. I mean, I can't imagine. I, I, I'm just trying to put my head around the idea of being in the same room of the person that, you know, sort of influenced me and having the chance to sort of, you know, riff with him or get in this conversation uh, with him is, is, is just got to be a cool little experience, I guess, for you and, and probably for him as well. So we'll let Scott a little bit about you, Scott. What are you all about? Um, how did you get to where you are today? What experiences did you have um, in education? And uh, just bring us up to speed with your bio. 
Yeah, sure. Appreciate you guys uh, having me on. Uh, it's obviously, uh, you're absolutely correct. It's uh, rewarding to spend some time in this capacity with Andrew as well. And I uh, feel very fortunate to be able to spend some time, uh, you know, with you guys this evening. Um, you know, uh, my, my story is is simple yet somewhat complex. Um, I was, uh, my brother, we lived in the Sweet Home community. My brother was on the same wrestling team with Andrew. Um, they were teammates um, in high school. And there was a day my, my brother left his science binder uh, at home on the kitchen table. I was a, a senior in college just finishing up. And uh, I ran it up to the to the high school to drop it off for him. And I had turned the corner uh, to go to the main office and I, I bumped into another teacher. Uh, there was a high school uh, global studies teacher. And uh, he asked me where I was going. And I said, oh, I'm dropping this off for my brother. And we got into this conversation, oh, where do you go to school? I you know, explained that I was getting ready to student teach. And he said, well, I'm looking for a student teacher actually next spring. And I said, oh, cool. So you know, we exchanged numbers. I shared that with the, the college I was attending. And about uh, three months later, I wound up student teaching at Sweet Home High School, uh, which Randall was a student. Uh, and then I finished up my student teaching in May and uh, was hired in June and wound up uh, teaching there for, uh, you know, 15, 16 years, uh, then went into administration and uh, wound up uh, serving as a teacher on special assignment for a few short years and then uh, became high school principal uh, where I served my last three years. And then uh, after uh, 21 years in the same building, uh, moved on to a, uh, to a new journey and a, and a little bit different venture uh, just about a year ago today, uh, this past February. Congratulations. And we're going to get uh, a little bit uh, more into that in, in, a, in a little bit here. See, and you know, you think you know how everyone got started. You know, I feel like everyone in teaching has this kind of like weird story that they kind of like it, you got weaved into it somehow or I don't know. It's pretty crazy. Like when you were teaching what and I you know, we talk about this once in a while and, and like, what were your greatest strengths as an educator? I mean, you're, you're, I'm teaching, uh, Brian does a lot with K through five. Uh, I'm, you know, I taught pre-K first grade and third grade. You're talking about high school. Like what was your greatest strength when you were a secondary teacher? Yeah. I mean, I think there's, there's a lot that goes into it. I was, um, uh, uh right away, uh, also into coaching, right? I coached a couple of sports and, you know, when you're involved in extracurricular activities and you have uh, those extended relationships with the students and the families, you know, beyond just the classroom, it certainly <clears throat> gives you a little bit different kind of leverage, right? Um, and a little bit different kind of relationship with the kids. But, you know, I always thought that that one of the most important, um, uh, you know, uh, things that, that, that the secondary teachers had to keep in mind or, or always had to uh, be cognizant of was, you know, those kids are a little bit older and a little savvier, right? You know, and you always got to be on your toes um, because, you know, once you lose a kid or, or, or a few kids, it's, it's tough to get them back. And so the one thing that I always thought was critical was to try to have those, those relationships with the kids in more capacity than just, you know, student to teacher, right? You know, whether it was a coach or you, you ran an activity or a club, you know, or you, you put the extra time in um, to make sure that they knew that you cared, right? Um, you know, I, I remember early on, you know, always going out of my way to to meet the kids at the door, but to recognize the kids and actually go out of my way to make sure that the kids were they were you know more popular or more well known, saw me welcoming every kid, the kids that were quiet or the kids that didn't talk as much, um, you know, to let them know that when they came into this space that 
yes, it was going to be, you know, uh, enjoyable and yes, we were going to make the most of it, but that everybody was on, you know, a level playing field and, you know, kids are, kids are very, 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 very in tune. Right. And they uh, are, you know, uh, they're, they're aware of their surroundings and, and, and what's going on and, and they know, um, you know, uh, how you're running your class and, and they respect uh, when everybody is, you know, is considered equal in that space. And so, you know, the one thing that, that, you know, I thought was important was to make sure that all kids felt that way, you know, when they walked in and, and felt a part of whatever was going to happen uh, was for everyone. I love what you said there. And the idea that like, I'm going to meet every kid at the door and they're going to be seen, they're going to be heard and they're going to be valued. Right. Like, and treating everybody, um, as if they're part of Mr. Martin's room, right? They're seen, they're heard, they're valued. They walk into this culture of your space. I guess one question I have, you know, I mean, obviously there's tough days in those relationships. Kids have off days, you have off days. You know, when you're doing that and you're building through those relationships, were you able to, and I, and I guess this, here's my curiosity with this question. I think Andrew and I can see it pretty visibly, maybe in the K-5 world. And there's always going to be kids that you maybe you can't pick out that are having those off days. But I guess, at, at your level, that secondary level, it feels even more polarizing in the sense that there's a little bit of peer pressure, there's there's peers, you're dealing with different things. So when a kid has an off day there, is it necessarily you coming in to sort of um, recognize that or did kids feel welcomed enough to come to you with their issues or something they were having troubles with? Or was it a little bit of both? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, one of the things that you know, I, I was always, um, you know, preaching and, and, you know, I still to this day believe in whether it was myself as the instructor, whether it was a student that was participating in the lesson, a co-teacher, right? You know, the, the, the most important lesson in education is always the next one, right? Because when you have a great day, like the next day, you got to follow it up and find a way to be better. And when you have an off day, that next day becomes equally as important, right? Um, and the same thing for the kids, right? You know how they are. They come in one day, you know, they're on top of the mountain. The next day, you know, the sky is falling. And it, it's an array of reasons that cause that for them, right? But that's part of the social emotional growth piece from, from second and third grade to, to senior year in high school, right? It doesn't change. The problems just, you know, go from, you know, maybe being in, in the cafeteria or being at home to being, you know, on a cell phone or in a group chat. And, you know, the, the thing that was was important was everybody's entitled to have their bad days, right? You just you just hit the nail on the head, right? Teachers have great days, they have days they're off, right? But the important the important thing for me was to make sure that everybody was focused on on the next day, right? And building on, you know, uh, the previous day's work, good or bad. Love that. Talk a little bit about you were in the same building, right, for 21 years. So like <laughs> going from being a teacher, seeing all these kids. And then you said you were a teacher on special assignment for three? Uh, yeah, for about three years, yep. And then you went to the administrator of that school. Can you just take us through like that? Like I, I, I as an educator, you know, Brian and I taught at Westminster in Buffalo. And like when we, that was such a community. And I feel like Sweet Home is, a, it, it is, it's a real community. And, um, you know, you, you really invest in the kids and, the teachers and the space and the, and the school and the area. So talk to us a little bit about like 
how, what were the advantages of being in that school, right? The whole time and then moving up as an administrator, like, like when you took over, like, how was that? And like, were there any disadvantages? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think there, there, there could be both, right. Depending on, on how things go for you over that, you know, that stretch of time. But, um, you know, the thing that I always uh, remember, you know, even from when I was 22 years old and, and first got going is, you know, every single uh, opportunity I had to meet with an administrator, an AP, another teacher, you know, assistant soup, athletic director, you know, right, wrong or different, I was always evaluating what they were doing and evaluating their job um, in a way that I was learning equally as much as what I thought I could take from them to better myself and what I would leave, right? Like what works for them? What doesn't work for them? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? And, and I was very fortunate to work with um, a number of phenomenal uh, instructors and teachers some uh, unbelievable coaches that are in the West New York Coaching Hall of Fame, um, administrators. Uh, my, my first job in administration is the TOSA was, um, they actually created a position for me um, that I moved out of the classroom to step into. And I worked under, uh, believe it or not, my principal at the time is, is Andrew's current principal. Um, uh, another amazing relationship and opportunity to, to learn uh, the ropes. And, and so I had a, a, a really good opportunity to kind of study a lot of people being in one place for that long because those doors revolve, right? The administration or the administrative uh, tenure um, is generally not a lengthy one. It's not a 20 year career in one building. It's, you know, two, three years here, two, three years there. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had a chance to work with a number of, of different administrators and, you know, and, and really learn, you know, equally as much from them as I did from, from the teaching staff. But, um, you know, in, in this particular case, you know, it certainly was an advantage because of the situation that, that I stepped into, you know, the timing of, of when I, you know, I literally went to bed uh, on a Tuesday and I was uh, still in the teachers association was a teacher. Uh, you know, uh, on Wednesday morning, I was the athletic director. And then Friday morning, I was the high school principal. And, you know, that, uh, you know, to go on that track without necessarily having to be an assistant principal for two or three years or, or serve in some other roles is unique. Uh, but what afforded me that opportunity was, you know, uh, my relationships with the people and you don't get those relationships, you know, in two or three years, you know, there's not many people that their first day on the job as a high school principal, um, you know, know every custodian, know who to go, every clerical worker, know where to, what every door leads to, what all the keys open and, uh, and where to find, you know, a lot of the answers that you need because so much of what you, you need comes from, from, you know, I say fringe, they're not, not, not in a derogatory, but those fringe employees that, are not teachers and are not administrators, right? People that work in the cafeteria, the people that drive the bus, the people that, you know, uh, are in the custodial office, the administrative assistants. I mean, they hold so many answers and so many of the, the keys to success. It, it's unbelievable. And so in this case, having that longevity in that position um, for me paid great dividends. In fact, I often thought about, you know, my first two, three years as I watched some of my peers that I had known from the area take administrative jobs or folks that came into our district from other districts and took different positions. You know, I often thought about, you know, what my approach would be because I never had to do it, right? Like if I was all of a sudden up and be the, you know, principal of Orchard Park High School or the principal of South Park, right? Like, you know, what strategy would I, you know, deploy to start to begin to, you know, to entrench myself and, and really the people. And, and if you know, 
anything about schools, you know that the, the power of success lies within the teachers, right? The teachers are what make everything go, and for good reason. And that was one thing that um, you know that I really had the, the fortunate uh, experience of of stepping into a you know into a job where you know I had 200 people that report to me, 110 of them were instructors, but I knew every one of them, right? And I had known every one of them for you know a decade or two, so it certainly paid dividends when it came to being able to get right to the the heart of the job, which in this case was was trying to make a pretty drastic uh, turnaround from where we were to where we wanted to go. I have to pause for just a second because my mind is still stuck on one thing you said, and it's a little blown. Okay, so we have to back it up. <laughs> you went from teacher in a building to an athletic director to a principal by all in a week is, is what you described. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So a couple things. One that speaks volumes of your leadership, your relationships with the people, as you mentioned, like undoubtedly that speaks volumes about you. Right. So like kudos to you for being able to <laughs> weather that I think in some ways, because I don't know that if my job changed three times in a week at that level. Now, if you move me from say, uh, I don't know. I was a second grade teacher on a Monday. We moved me to a third grade teacher on a Tuesday. And then all of a sudden I was teaching fourth grade on a Friday. Okay. There, 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 there are problems, right? But I think I could, I, I could navigate those waters probably a little bit more coolly. Um, but what you described were three completely different roles and sort of identities that you had to walk in a week. Now, again, that speaks volumes to you, but like, what was that transition? Like how, how, polarizing was that transition that week i mean how did you how did you deal with that because again you're 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 being called on to step into these roles because you have the intangibles that people sought right like you had the relationships you had the commitment to learn you obviously have a a humble leadership approach um you know like those are evident just in hearing you talk like do you go home at four o'clock and you're like, all right, you know, I'm going to do this, that, and the other, or were you up all night? I mean, how did that, how did that work all, all that week? Um, you know, the, uh, rightfully so, uh, even with the, the longevity that I had in the district, you know, our district was always big believers in, in process, right? Like they, they never handed jobs out. So, um, you know, uh, despite the fact that I was, uh, you know, in the district and had coached uh, the teams that I had coached for as long as I did, even when it came time for the athletic director position, you know, there was a process in place, there was interviews, there was other candidates, right? Um, and so, you know, in the spring, I, I was going through that process under the assumption, you know, knowing that our current AD was retiring, you know, that that was going to be, you know, my first move. And, and you know, after being in the classroom for 15 years, you know, it's it, you got to put some thought to it because, you know, every administrator I had spoken to along the way, they all echoed the same sentiments. And that's that that each move you make through administration, you get further from the kids, right? Uh, it becomes more about adults and more about issues within the school and, you know, operational type things. Um, but in in the success or failure, it's more global, right? It's it's a community. It's an organization. It's not a room, right? And so you, you, it's like anything else, there's opportunity cost. You get the good with the bad, right? And so I had thought very carefully about, you know, uh, this move of, of being away from the part of the job that I had grown to love the most, which was the kids. Uh, you know, they, 
uh, for for 15 years, they you know they crack you up, right? That it's it's why you do it for those days that you sit on your desk on a student desk and you put your feet up on the chair and you're in the front of the classroom and the kids are hanging on every word because you're talking about something that by all rights they probably should care less about, but you found a way to make it. You know, what I mean that it's going to be something that that, that is of interest, and you know to walk away from that and to be worried about you know, first aid and CPR and coaching certifications and, you know, rescheduling events, you know, um, you know, I thought long and hard about it, but, uh, you know, I felt it was, I was ready for some new challenges and, you know, the, the TOSA had given me a taste of, of that world. And so I went through the process. I had found out that I would uh, be um, uh, the recommendation of the board of education, uh, went to the board meeting, um, they, uh, you know, approved it, you know, unanimously. So I found out that that I was in the position, came home, sat down with my wife, you know, told her, you know, that it looked like it had gone well. And this was actually actually the interview uh, and the meeting with the superintendent went well, I'm going to the board. She's very supportive. Uh, so then go to the board, uh, meeting happens, come home, take my suit off, go to bed, wake up next day. I walk back into the high school and I was kind of cutting through uh, one of the offices, maybe like, you know, 8.30, and a bunch of teachers are congratulating me. Hey, saw your board minutes. Congratulations. And I had, you know, gotten about five to 10 steps down the one uh, aisleway in the office and my phone rings and it's the superintendent. And so I made a joke in front of the teachers. I'm like, oh man, you know, I'm on the job for an hour and a half and here he is calling me already. Right. So I pick up the phone and he's like, I need to see you in my office. <laughs> I'm like, oh, geez, I haven't even, I haven't even started yet, you know, uh, because even though you're appointed, it's the end of June, you don't start till July 1, right? So, you know, I walk out of the office and I, I head down to the superintendent's office and walk in and he, he just said, you know, can you sit down for a second? And I said, okay. And he's like, you understand that the, that the high school is the single most important job in the district, right? And I said, sure. And uh, he's like, I need you to take a leave of absence from athletic director. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I said, okay. He's like, you know, we need someone to start the school year. I need to give you the summer to do some planning. And, you know, and, 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 you know, I, I always would have done whatever they had asked, right. I'd been there, you know, as you guys mentioned for a long time, I, I knew these people well, um, you know, certainly appreciated uh, that, that they felt that I was the right person for the job. Uh, you know, but I, I did, you know, uh, you know, I remember uh, saying like, look at, you know, uh, happy to do that right seems like it would be if that's what you're asking me that that's that's what needs to be done i'm happy to do it but i think we should be i want to be very upfront that you know um uh if you're asking me to be the principal of the high school i probably can't do it but if you're asking me to 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 coach a thousand kids and 200 adults i'm happy to give it a shot right and uh and it was also on an interim basis right because it was something that was uh uh designed to be an interim to get through the fall while they do a search and then I go back to AD and uh, we move on. Uh, and, uh, you know, he, my superintendent was super supportive and he's like, yeah, let's, let's do it. And, uh, you know, so I walked out of there, came home, sat my wife down and said, I'm no longer the athletic director. You know, she thought I screwed up already, but, um, and then, the, the, you know, there was about a week left in the school year and then July 1st uh, assembled the team and started putting a plan together to, to try to uh, to really move our school and, and change trajectories and and in my mind not really move forward but get back to who we were, uh, which is the school that Andrew uh, went to right very tight knit community people that cared about each other, 
um, you know, a lot of a lot of good character, you know, a lot of toughness in the community, people that got through adversity and, and challenging times. And uh, that's what we that's what we set out to start doing. And uh, and then the school year started and, and by like Columbus Day, he the superintendent came to me and said that they were uh, they were no longer interested in me being the athletic director and uh, that this was my job. And I never really got a chance to go back. <laughs> uh, so and, and then it was three years went by faster than you could ever imagine. That's an amazing story. And kudos right. to the superintendent for you know, being able to recognize the talent of their staff and the people they have uh, on their campuses. Because as you mentioned, like just that little subtle piece that you put in there, which is if you're asking me to go up there and coach adults and X number of kids, I'm all in for that. And that commitment to saying like, look, I'm not saying I have this thing figured out, but if you want me to go learn alongside people and find ways to motivate and coach and nudge, I'm all, I'm your guy for that. Uh, that was just a, a, a really terrific story. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, you know, our, our school's done a great job of cultivating leadership from within. We probably have about five or six administrators that are from within the district. Uh, now, whether they went off on their own and came back or, or they came right through the, the pipeline, uh, it's little, each one has a little bit different story, but they're probably up to about three or four administrators that, you know, had come through the system. And, you know, and that, and that was, you know, certainly, uh, you know, and at that point I'd worked with the superintendent for, you know, a number of years. Um, I wouldn't say we were were super close, but we had gotten close over the years. And then certainly once I moved into this role, we became very close and and worked alongside each other. But you know, I remember even uh, and during the conversation, you know, uh, saying that that I almost felt that under the circumstances that I didn't even want the title of principal. You know, like that I would stay a, a teacher or stay a TOSA, but I'll run, I'll do the job. And uh, you know that uh, that didn't necessarily fly um, because. Uh, you know, beds forms and somebody has to be, according to the state, actually hold the certificate and, and be responsible for the building and that. But uh, we had the conversation for, for a few seconds. And, and one of the things that was certainly most important to me was, you know, to make that move from, you know, being with your peers for that long to, to being in the position of leadership. You know, one of the, the key pieces or attributes to me uh, that I felt were were absolutely necessary was this idea that we were working alongside each other. No one's working for anybody, right? We're working together. And, uh, you know, the rest, uh, you know, played out pretty good over the next couple of years. Yeah, I think that's very important. Like, you know, just what you said there, I, I, I also, I feel like on people who teach, we have like a theme going on. And I feel like one of the themes we have is, it's all about relationships, being seen, being valued, being heard. And that's what good educators do, effective educators do. And um, when I hear you talk, I think a lot about um, being the change, changing traje trajectories. And um, I, I, I'm going to go back on a past experience that I had with you. So here I am. I'm in 10th grade. Um, I'm just, you know, uh, not too much of a punk, but yeah, a punk, I'm in 10th grade. And um, I step into your room and the first day, uh, I think it was only your second year teaching. And you said, I don't want to give you grades. I want to have conversations with you. I want open dialogue. And um, I think everyone in that class, and these are all my classmates who I've been with for years, just, we all just looked at each other like, what did he just say? Like that, that's never happened. Um, and you know, about, that was about 20 years ago. 
and that was just being the change, going against the norm. Can you just talk a little bit about that philosophy, how that has carried you in each position you've held, like being the change kind of like, um, how can I put this? Just doing things outside of the box that we as educators know those are the things we have to do to engage students and get kids to learn. And it just comes so natural to you. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that that I per se uh, change anything or, or, or was the the uh, the root of the change. You know, I think that the key in 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 the position of leadership is it's really all about your ability to you know inspire the conduct of others. Right? They make the change, and you know, the single most important thing in those roles is the ability to influence human behavior. Right? Whether it's adults or kids or or whoever it may be, uh, in the moment, kids are ready to square up and 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 you know get into a conflict and you're able to diffuse it, right? Parent comes in, they're upset about something or, you know, there's uh, an emotional experience for a family. When we, you know, in, in the short time, uh, even in the principal role, those three years, I mean, we had families that were, you know, uh, experienced everything from, you know, sudden death to uh, losing everything they own in house fire to, you know, uh, everybody's story is different, right? You know, it could go on with with the, the challenges that people face, but the ability to, to you know, influence um, those situations and, and influence the behavior of people and how they handle uh, what's thrown their way is what ultimately leads to change. And uh, one of the things that I've always subscribed to, whether I was a teacher and, and quite honestly, in my second year, you know, I like everybody else, I probably had no idea what I was doing, right? I was trying to figure it out myself. You know, you're worried about getting through grad school and, and, and you know, getting tenure and trying to figure out where you're supposed to park your car still, right? Um, but, you know, inside of us, we have this, this core belief of, uh, you know, that we try to portray as teachers. And, you know, one of the things that I found interesting is I've always been a believer in, in making a way, right? Like, if you can't necessarily find it, you, you make it. And one of the things in in schools that's very tough, right? Whether it's in a leadership role or, or you're, you're uh, in an uh, instructional role is um, that the by the very nature of schools, in many cases, looking like they did today, uh, like they did previously, like think about how many teachers you know that they teach the way that they were taught because they think back to that teacher that inspired them or they teach the way they were taught and they value those things because that's what they knew in school, right? And then that pattern repeats itself. And so um, one of the things that, that, that is interesting is the, the very nature of schools can tend to be at times more about people telling you why things can't be done instead of how they can, right? Oh, you can't do that because, right? It's a union issue or we can't do that because the families, we can't do that because of the board or because of the school day or the bell or the course or the exam, right? There's always something for why it seems easy to say that we can't do it a certain way. Um, and the thing that I always found to be, you know, the, a game changer is, you know, this is what we want to do or, or where we want to get to. Let's not think about all the reasons why we can't do it. Let's think about what we got to do to actually make it happen, right? To, to make a way. And so, you know, some of those things you're talking about, you know, early on, you know, we're just, you know, the idea that I knew that as a student, my experience in school was was awful. Like I, you know, I remember very little of it. The bit I remember, you know, I didn't care for. I was never a great academic student. No one inspired me. You know, you went to school, bells rang, you move from place to place to get out of there to go home and, you know, play football or hockey in the street or do whatever. And, you know, the one thing that I knew early on was that 
the days where the class seemed most engaged is when we were sharing in some sort of experience together that was making the content or the instructional goals of the day, you know, relevant to their lives or, and, and you know, gave them a reason to, to give a damn about what was going on. And so, you, you know, uh, I think a lot of that, the change then that, that, that I was fortunate to be a part of that was, you know, uh, really the, the byproduct and result of the work of those that I was working with or, or, or leading at the time, that, um, uh, you know, again, was more, I think, because of uh, some of the, maybe the motivation or some of the, the belief that, hey, if this is what we decided we want to do, let's go make a plan and do it. Um, you know, and, and, and it was the folks, whether the kids in my class, the, the, the athletes on my team, the, the adults in my building, uh, it was, it was those folks that, that made it happen. Uh, and I think I was just very fortunate and lucky enough to, to work with some great people. And I also think, so th I think this is a good time to kind of talk about your new venture too, is you want to, give teachers these tools with this new platform uh, that you you're, you're using, you created this platform. I want you to talk a little bit about ThinkTech and what um, what's your mission for this, this educational platform? Like what, I, I, you know, when I think about using it, I think about students connecting, right? And teachers using these these instructional tools to make a serious impact on content and student learning. So can you just talk a little bit about like what ThinkTech is, how you kind of got into it, um, what's your mission for this um, this platform and, and just kind of, you know, talk about it a little bit. Yeah, so, um, you know, probably right around the same time uh, that I was getting into the administration uh, uh, role, I had, um, my wife and I gave uh, birth to our first child, my son, uh, some complications uh, during the delivery left him with some injuries and he had, you know, uh, was missing some milestones and, and had some early challenges, um, uh, you know, two, two and a half years in. Um, and I was never a believer in, in, in tech or uh, in tech integration. I was, you know, kids need more reading, more writing, you know, any more of the, the sound principles of, of you know, what makes a good student and, you know, our school had gone one-to-one -one and hand out these iPads and, you know, I wanted no part of it as a teacher. Um, but I did start uh, using some of the applications and different features um, to try to help uh, my son who was, you know, like I said, personally struggling with, um, you know, meeting some of the early milestones of, of you know, uh, early childhood, like even before pre-K. And I, you know, kicked around the idea of like, you know, trying to get something off the ground, probably some of you are like doing some professional development and stuff with some some different folks I had worked with. Uh, but, you know, in my head, I had this, I, I had started taking these notes and, and it's actually sitting behind me. I was just looking the other day um, from when I was taking notes and journaling about my son's experience and how I saw the technology working. And I approached, uh, long story short, I wound up approaching uh, a develop. Uh, agency downtown uh, in the innovation center uh, that I was linked up with to kind of pitch them my idea I had for this this application. It was one app at the time and um, wanted to get some feedback around if it was something they could bring to life. And after a couple of meetings, you know, they, they said that they could. Um, I turned over a bunch of notes and sketches and things. Um, and then 
you know, went home, sat down with my wife, uh, you know, told her that I was going to empty our bank account to build a digital product that we had no idea that was going to work or not work. And uh, started down this path of trying to um, uh, bring that to life. And, and then that just kept evolving into, you know, uh, kept, you know, having more ideas and two apps and three apps. And, you know, along the way, you know, I, I think the first time I, I asked some people to join me, there was four or five people asked to meet me at Spot Coffee and tried to like bring some other people in and, and see um, if they had interest. Cause you know, I certainly didn't think it was something I could do by myself. I thought there was other skill sets around me that could help, you know, and, and then uh, over the next three, four years, you know, this other story happened where I, I moved into different positions within the school district and had an opportunity to, to get an MVP in my hands and to have teachers actually using it in the classroom and seeing if it worked and, and get feedback from what they would like to see different and how it could be better. And, you know, believe it or not, it, it, it's, it's been almost five years since I started down that path and, you know, plenty of people have come in and out and helped and, and, you know, been there, then they're not there. And, you know, it, it's a very challenging road to bring uh, something like this uh, to life. Um, and, you know, it's been uh, a, a daunting task because of the pandemic, right? It's really uh, set things back. That was ultimately why I decided to leave education is I thought that this thing was in a position and primed and ready to go. And I had approached and, and I was working with a couple of school districts and felt that it was time that if I was going to make this work, I was going to have to step away from the responsibilities of, of a big job like that and focus solely on this. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I, my last day on the job as a principal was probably three weeks or two weeks before the pandemic. And, you know, that just really changed everything uh, because school's entire focus shifted to transportation and masks and PPE and plastic barriers and lunch and teachers and staffing. And, you know, the last thing in the world that any school was thinking about the last year from, from a leadership standpoint was teaching. Right. And, and that's, you know, really a compliment to, uh, the resiliency of teachers, right? Like, I think in the back of their head, they like, like they know teachers will figure this out, right? At the end of the day, teachers are not going to let their kids down. They'll find what's out there. They'll find the tools that we have. They will adapt. They'll be flexible and they'll make this happen. Um, and so we have to focus on keeping people safe. And so, you know, to, to try to launch an instructional technology uh, in March of 2020 was probably the worst possible thing in the planet earth uh to try to do uh so uh, when that happened i kind of had to retool and revisit uh what we were offering and uh, like what i thought school would look like after this pandemic and then try to make some adjustments to what we're offering um uh, so that we can be positioned to be the best tool on the market for post pandemic and so that's what i've been doing the last year is rather than, than run out there and and you know buy ads and and jam this down everybody's, you know, throat and run around and, and try to bring awareness, I kind of took a back seat and said, I'm going to start developing the features and the functionality so that as this thing ends, we are in position to be, you know, hopefully the very best tool out there to foster interactions, connectivity in the classroom. You know, and, and the thing that I remember is, is, you know, very much like you guys probably planned, you know, your, your different podcast episodes or you know, the way that you see organizations operate, they, you, you have individuals that come together and they donate their different ideas and thoughts to each other. They brainstorm, they put stuff up on a whiteboard, they put stickies on a wall, right? They get ideas out there. And then once those ideas are out there, they begin to discuss, talk, interact with those ideas, and then 
you know, make revisions, right? Like, I like this, I like that. Oh, that was a great idea by Andrew. Let's take that. But I think that with, you know, Brian's is a great mix. And we come up with this solution and then we make a plan and then we reflect on it and we go and we do it, right? But there's very few classrooms that you walk in that model that same experience that that is the real world, right? And so our entire platform is designed to create equity across the board by uh, trying to end the one thing that I began to feel was a problem my last year as an administrator. And, and that was, whether it's a result of, of social media or technology in terms of phones or interest of kids, the one thing that I noticed that I felt very strongly about the last year or two was there was becoming this, this this great divide. There was becoming kids that were quiet and kids that were loud, right? Kids that would be out there, they're vocal in the halls, they're up and down, they're making noise, right? They're, they're in that click. And then kids that just would go about their business and you wouldn't know they exist if you didn't stop them and, and force them to, to speak. And and it was it was working its way down to the grade levels. And, you know, as I began to observe more and more classes, it, it became evident that, you know, every class has four or five kids that do a lot of talking and 15 kids that, that don't do a whole lot of talking. Right. And when you're the teacher and you're in the moment, you're, you're, you're busting your, your tail to keep up and to work with kids and to, you know, offer, you know, additional supports and, and uh, you know, try to close, you know, uh, misconceptions and gaps. But at the end of the day, let's think about what teachers are charged with, right? They're charged with one of the most impossible tasks of all time to have a room full of 25 kids, which most people, wouldn't be able to engage 25 people at one time. But now you have, you know, three kids that probably shouldn't have really moved on to this grade level. You have five kids that, you know, really should, you know, that this is, they're way beyond this. They should be in an advanced course or they should be on a, a different track. You have kids that, that are, that might struggle with this content, but they're great students. Otherwise, you know, a host of social emotional problems, they're all sitting in front of you. And it's like, you know, let's go get everybody on the same page and keep them going. And that's just not practical. And that's where I think the technology offers some things uh, that are unique uh, that I didn't believe in when I was, you know, uh, you know, 30 years old. But I, I certainly believe in now through my own experience with my my son and, and then the process of, of bringing this product to life. And that's the teachers have these incredible abilities, right? Um, so many things that they can do that are um, uh, unbelievable. And, and the tried and true lesson plans that they've created over the years, they're, they're golden. They work, they're great. What's changed is the ability to deliver those on so many different levels to so many different learners. And that's what technology affords. It doesn't afford a way to make teachers lesson plans better. It affords a way to amplify the teacher so that their lesson plan can be provided or, or being given on full capacity, right? By collecting data from kids that they wouldn't be able to collect by themselves by turning around instant information and comparing it to other students to show that 25% of the class had trouble 30 seconds ago, right? Those are the things that are that are irreplaceable. To give every kid a chance to donate their ideas and their thoughts to the learning space instantly, right? Not one kid raised their hand. I didn't get one idea from one kid or one idea from five kids. I got 10 ideas from 25 kids. I've got 250 ideas in 14 seconds, right? Like that, that that's not teaching that's not no one can do that it's not possible but what if we could develop tools that did that for the teacher right and allow the teacher to maximize their impact on the kids that are in front of them and so you know one of the issues is is that you know i think our tool is a little bit ahead of its time right like it's still there's a lot of teachers that are still uh 
coming into that space. There's a lot of teachers that have embraced technology and that are that are probably even beyond that, right? But across the board, I think what we do differently is we give um, teachers flexible, simple, easy tools that they can use in a moment's notice that can change the course of the great lessons they've already created and, and bring them to the next level by doing things that they would not be able to do regardless of ability. Um, and we have a few you know, uh, things that we're still evolving and we're, we're trying to get better at, but across the board, you know, I think that we have um, a really, really good platform that stacks up with the best tools on the market, but there's probably a lot less awareness around what we have because of the path that I chose to take, right? Like I chose not to take on uh, investor funding, right? I wanted this to be organic, to be about teachers, to be about learning, to be uh, free from influence from outside money. As soon as you take money from the investors, it becomes about making money and not about doing the right thing. And the other thing that, it, that that's a cognizant decision that I made is rather than take the traditional road of a startup and say, okay, let's get this out there. Let's get this out there. There's your one. Let's try to get some more people. There's your two. I had the the luxury of being able to stay in a position where I was doing the testing. I was seeing it work. I was finding out what it needed and what it and, and what was unnecessary. And I was doing that over three or four years so that by the end, I, I would have something. You know, it's a little bit of like field of dreams, right? Like I subscribe to this idea of if I build it, they will come as opposed to um, I'm going to build this slowly while people give me feedback and tell me what they need. I don't really know anybody to tell me what people need. Like, I, I feel like I know pretty well what's missing and what teachers need and what they will resonate with. Um, but uh, it's certainly not the way a traditional startup goes, right? It's all about like getting out there, letting people see, becoming aware. And so um, what would typically at this stage be like, you know, a minimal viable product or something that's in beta testing. Like we really have something that stacks up against, you know, the Nearpods, the Paradox of the world, um, the tools that are out there that are that are very well known and and, and uh, strong tools. Uh, it's just that we haven't had the chance to really fully launch. I mean, we're in, you know, three or four school districts right now, but uh, I mean, we probably have another, you know, fifty in the pipeline that I think could easily close by September. Uh, but you know, the pandemic has certainly thrown us behind a little bit. So, in terms of of operational how the product works and what we do i think we're you know pretty close to the top of our game now it's a matter of finding out how we um how we reach the masses in a time when it's very difficult to you know teacher fatigue is a real thing uh, student fatigue is a real thing uh, right now schools are struggling with trying to introduce new ideas um they're, they're struggling with trying to to keep people uh spirits elevated just like the real world just like the workplaces just like you know everything we see in society right now it's it's uh, there's a lot of adversity and challenge uh to the day-to-day -day routine and so you know we're kind of picking and choosing you know our timing to try to uh you know get out there and, and have a significant impact and uh you know like i mentioned we're, we're we're pretty well embedded uh in western new york i think most districts at this point know about the product um, we've been fortunate enough to have a couple of contracts with uh, different BOCES across New York State so that schools can purchase it with their aid, right? That's a big validator for the schools, right? Like they know that they can not only get it, but they can save, uh, they can use money that will be aidable on it, um, that, that make it so that it's more accessible. Um, so, you know, uh, whereas I'm super disappointed uh, in how things shook out with the timing, um, you know, I'm optimistic because 
I can see that what we have is different and that no one out there is really trying to do what we're trying to do. They're trying, the other tools out there are making great ways to present or to engage kids in a, in a singular function. Like we're the best game, we're the best quiz, we're the, the best presentation. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to say, you know, we're the best teaching and we're, we're what teachers can use as they need or as they see fit to amplify what they're already doing, which is in most cases, a phenomenal job. I love that message. And just so, just so we're clear for the people that will watch this um, either or listen to it, uh, can you just tell us where they can find your tool um, website? And also I, I would love for you just to share just a quick example of a way that you see it working, maybe from a secondary standpoint, because that's both out of mine and Andrew's wheelhouse. Um, you know, how could you see secondary or middle middle school, upper elementary uh, school teachers using uh, this tool? I would love to hear that. Just first, where can people find it? Um, you know, where can they link up? Where can they uh, request a demo? Right, that that sort of or pricing uh, for the tool itself. Yeah, sure. So uh, anybody can can go to our website, which is gothinktech.com. Uh, they can sign up for a free 30-day account. They get most of the functionality. There's a couple of, of high-end features that you don't get with free account, but certainly everything you would need to experience the tool and make an informed decision about uh, purchasing is there. Um, school district, same thing. Uh, they can visit the site and they can request a demo right there on that uh, on that site. Um, and you know, once you get into it and dig around there, you, you know, uh, once you sign up for a free account, you get onboarded into a sequence of emails. You get about 10 emails from us over the course of two weeks that give you, you know, video tutorial libraries, uh, you know, uh, access to our knowledge base, all kinds of tips and tricks about the tool and, uh, and how it can be, uh, utilized, uh, to help in the classroom. Uh, and so it's pretty, pretty straightforward. Um, uh, in terms of, uh, of how it's used um there's probably one lesson that stands out um that is probably uh the one day where i'm like man we got something we got something here uh that was pretty cool and i was a u.s history teacher so it it, it kind of uh maybe i'm being biased but um one of the features so in the tool the each tool has different response types so you can give quizzes and things like that and you can create word clouds and you can poll and survey kids but most of the tools are based on response type kids either classify or sort terms or images they record audio they record video uh they they uh answer open-ended questions um uh, they draw or they mark up pdfs like a notability uh, really anything you could possibly want to do is in there and the tools are designed to be like legos right not that you have to make a lesson but you have all these different Lego pieces that you can combine to build anything that you want as a teacher. Um, whether it's one task or many, it's just an opening, it's just an exit ticket, it's a whole lesson, it's a whole unit. You know, you, you got a lot of flexibility. And so the one lesson that, that I, I was observing it and, you know, uh, I, I truly don't believe that the teacher was using it as part of the observation, but that's gonna be a hard argument to make as, as the principal that they didn't think there were some bonus points in there. But uh, the lesson was awesome. I walked in, very difficult subject to teach, uh, very relevant to what's going on right now. Early political parties, Hamilton and Jefferson, uh, teaching the kids about the different, uh, the different views and, and how political parties started, George Washington's feelings about political parties. And there was some different, there was a nice uh, word cloud activity to start some brainstorming. There was some check for understandings and some open-ended questions. Uh, but I thought the coolest piece was the, uh, 
the later half of the lesson was uh, using a tool in our uh, our suite. It's, it's about eight applications in one suite, an app called Speak It, which is where kids create audio recordings and then donate those to a, like a board where they can listen to each other's recordings. And the teacher uploads materials that are that are part of that task. And the teacher had uploaded recordings uh, from the Hamilton musical of the cabinet battles. And the kids had recorded back their version of the cabinet battles to like answer a prompt. And so when the kids were done, there was like, you know, 15 different, uh, they were in small groups recording this, um, you know, their version of the next cabinet battle in the, in the story of understanding, you know, political parties and, and Hamilton and, uh, and Jefferson. And, you know, I remember leaving the lesson and the kids were, were just uh, starting to record those. And I got home at night and, you know, obviously I have the, uh, the master password. So I'm like, I got to get in this account and go see what these kids turned in. Right. So I, I logged in at about 10 o'clock at night and I started listening to them and you know, I almost had a tear in my eye and I was like, that is pretty damn cool, man. That uh, a teacher was able to take this and to create uh, an experience that was truly relevant, hip to the kids, right. They're rapping and they're, they're, you know, it's bringing a little hip hop flair. All the kids are into it. You know, they're writing their own lyrics to, you know, so many different things coming into play. I mean, you guys know, I don't need to explain it to you, but um, so just, I certainly thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. And so just to be clear, all of that was housed in this one platform where we started with this sort of anticipatory set of this sort, right? We sorted it. We took, we took one lesson plan. We sorted it. And then we were able to sketch it or I'm sorry, uh, check it with some understandings, right? Yeah. I mean. Your, your platform speaks my language in a way because uh, I often get down to the verbs with people, especially when we're writing, you know, these micro progressions to skills that students need at the elementary level. And so when, when I like people are like, I think you wrote that chart before. And I'm like, well, yeah, because it's the same kind of thing. We're asking kids to stop, think, sketch, write, you know, it, it's all the same stuff, right? So it's just different content. They may be doing it in nonfiction versus fiction. So anyway, so you took this lesson, this, this teacher took this lesson and they were able to do all three, uh, I'll call them tasks, but they're not really tasks so much as they are ways to, like you said, amplify and engage the, engage the students in the lesson itself and the content itself. So they were able to first start off with this sort that's housed on the platform. And then they move into this check it, which is a little bit of a formative assessment to see how things are going in the lesson with these open-ended questions. And then they get into this speak it in the same platform under the same lesson. And again, you're not on an easy schedule with a bell system, right? You're at 42 minutes or whatever your time is up there. Uh, I say up there, like it's some other place. Uh, you know what I mean? Um, but it, the, so, so this teacher was able to basically, by being in this one platform and not, fumbling with tools be in all of these different spaces and have access for kids where they knew the platform as well and like you said uh homework probably if there was any uh, at that point um was a little bit more engaging right like i mean you're writing some lyrics and you're 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 recording something uh, what a cool story uh, yeah. and i will tell you too i've been using this for um for remote learning. You guys know I'm third grade remote. I use ThinkTech all the time and it's really powerful because there's a lot of features in here that we don't, we don't have enough time to talk about all of them. We really don't. So I encourage you to definitely go check it out, 
see what it's all about. But I will tell you, I have uh, 20 kids and I will put them on that speak it and you can actually control their screens and you can share responses and things like that. And it is, there's so many tools within tools. Those are the main tools, but there's a lot of things you can do on here, whether you're remote or in person, uh, you may use the tool a little differently, which whichever one you actually are, but um, very engaging uh, for students. And like Scott said, lots of data, lots of feedback, lots of um, lots of ways to, um, a, you know, kind of a move on from there or address things in the moment, get that feedback, which is so important. Andrew, I was going to ask you like, so on the back end of things, when you work with your younger, with our, our younger students, what are you noticing on the back end? I mean, pretty intuitive in the sense that what you're getting is either fueling the next day or, and you'd mentioned a couple of times, this idea of getting something in the moment. So I'm imagining you there with your device walking around while well, you're remote now, um, but having your second device up, um, what, when you say the back end of things, what are you noticing there? I, you know, some things that I'm seeing is like, I use this a lot for anticipatory sets and exit tickets. And sometimes when you have students look at each other's work, there's a high names feature and you have kids, I say you're doing a math lesson and, um, you know, you teach kids all these different strategies, how to solve it. And you get this kid who comes up with this way and you want the other kids to explain their thinking. And now they're, they're diving deep into something. And all you did was use this tool and you lay it out for them to play it out kind of thing. And it sparks this discussion. Um, and it also gives you this, this data that like, if I know that some of my kids really didn't elaborate there, or they're not using enough details, or they're just kind of getting to it really quickly, or only 20% of my, my kids could answer this, then we might need to do some vocabulary work. So it guides your instruction Okay. on that back end, you know, where, where do we need to be? What do I need to do as a teacher? Where, where, where may I have missed something? And I think that's what makes it such a powerful tool. And it just goes back to Scott talking about when I was a kid, he let us collaborate. And he let us talk and we had discussions. And I think that's what this platform is about. It's about um, the teacher really like giving the kids, the, like he said, those Lego pieces. And then all of a sudden, when you put it together, the students kind of start running the lesson and it's not such so teacher centered, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm just going to add one more thing that I keep hearing come up that I think is important for um, when it comes to, to my younger, my youngest child, right? So my youngest child has uh, unique um, learning differences as we all do. And, um, and he, what, what, okay. So here, here's my description of this. Um, I love the technology that's out there, but like you said, Scott, idea that it serves one function. And then we have all of these sort of, we're, we're trying to then take that one function quiz Right. And now we're trying to expand that platform to make it something bigger. What you did was sort of, you know, cast a wider net. Right. In, in essence. And, and you're saying, hey, look, um, let's cast a wider net. Let's get it down to the essentials of what needs to, to happen. And let's really create a clean, nice space for teachers and kids to interact in, in one space. And I think what happens with a lot of the technology that's used is kids are paying the cognitive tax 
constantly for having to go to an interactive slide in which they have to click this to a hyperlink that takes you out and then takes you to another link to come back in to do the activity. And then, oh, by the way, I still have to turn it in, right, at some point. So think about that. I mean, we're asking, you know, third and fourth and fifth graders to pay this cognitive tax. And I just feel like at then we're asking them to engage with the content that we put out there. And I just feel like, all right, so to what end, right? Like how long? And I think what you're describing in your platform is keep your lesson design as is, right? Use the tools that are here to amplify that thing. It's all in one space for you. And when kids start to get familiar with that, let's say uh, we all know September in our classrooms, we get to this space in September, October, things are really starting to get into systems and habits and routines in our rooms. If this were introduced in a fun, collaborative way as the platform, the tool, the whatever, and then you start to layer in that content, now kids are, are familiar with how we can utilize it. They're probably coming up with more innovative ways uh, to use it than we ever probably dreamed up. And I just think there's something to be said for having it all in one place and, and housed there where, where stu students are, um, again, not having to pay that, that, that cognitive tax. Is that, is that, again, part of your thought process and design process or? Yeah, spot on. It's, it's, it's what we've tried to solve is the fragmented experience that delays and, and, and disrupts what the teacher and students are trying to create in the learning space, which is exactly what you're speaking to. And the thing that, that we didn't really talk about that is really the game changers, we're trying to flip this idea of how the, how the classroom is, uh, is perceived, right? And, you know, the, the, it, it's difficult to, to really understand, but in many ways, I view ThinkTech as like closing the gap between teacher and student and, and creating trust, right? Because it is very difficult to say, I'm gonna trust the kids to create the content that we're gonna use for class today. It's not an easy thing for many folks to do, right? But what we do is we change the audience of who the work is done for. Traditional classroom, virtual classroom in most cases, student is completing work to submit to teacher. And our platform, student is completing work to donate to the class. Everyone's gonna see it. Everyone's gonna engage with it. My name might be on it, my name might not be on it, right? But my work is going to be part of what we are doing and what we are trying to accomplish. And just that dynamic uh, drastically changes how kids engage, when they engage, and how they interact with each other. And so we want more than anything, you know, and this is where I think, you know, is, is the most important piece about the future of teaching and education is that when this pandemic is over, people are going to more than ever teachers, administrators, families, students are going to recognize that we can control what we can control. And the one thing that every single teacher can control and the only thing that they can control is the 40 minutes that they see those students in class on a daily basis. And when you maximize that time, a lot of the other stuff should take care of itself, right? And that time to me gets maximized by kids engaging, kids donating their thoughts and ideas, interacting with each other, interacting with their peers, conversation, right? They're the ones that are doing the talking. They're the ones that are doing all of the things necessary to engage with that. And they produce the content. And that's the world they're growing up in, right? They, they will leave school and go into a world that we didn't get the chance to grow up in, where 
they can monetize and capitalize on any ability they have by creating their own content and engaging in this new economy that has, you know, really uh, uh, transformed, you know, how people uh, choose their profession, right? Um, and, you know, I just think that it's it's critical to get kids accustomed and into that space where they know that their ideas and thoughts matter. They know how to interact respectfully with others' thoughts and ideas, and they know how to take their ideas, reflect on them compared to others, and determine the best path moving forward based on what they've just participated in. And, and that's what we're trying to create um, uh, through um, many different tools and, and, and uh, features that allow teachers to kind of take that and maneuver it and be flexible and simple uh, throughout their class period. Love that. Amazing. Um, I think that's about that's about all we got. So, um, again, one more time, where can people find you? What, talk, you know, what's the platform? I know we got it down below, but one more time real quick. Yep, they can go to just gothinktech.com and they can, uh, you know, uh, sign up for a free account there. They can check out the website, certainly learn more. We have a huge push coming out this weekend. So uh, the website will update hopefully Monday morning, but um, we're launching our eighth application. So there's the next tool will be video. So almost similar to like a Flipgrid where kids can upload video from their phone to a, a larger space where kids can watch other videos and interact with their peers and, and teachers will also be able to upload videos. Um, uh, great for virtual and, and hybrid instruction. Um, and we're launching a uh, multi-page, uh, essentially a notability or a, a, uh, what's the other one? Uh, not Cami, uh, OneNote, I think, um, right, where kids can, uh, teachers can upload whatever teaching right now teachers need something in the moment for the second half of the school year that ends the fatigue right I need something to make this easier on me right with our platform they literally drop in a pdf they can upload a video from their camera you could build a dynamite virtual lesson in 15 or 20 minutes uh, they would knock the socks off anybody um, uh, with these new features and so uh, those launch out this weekend uh, they'll update on the platform for monday morning uh, and then it will update the website and, uh, you know, we'll be rocking and rolling here till the summer. That's amazing. So, so students, so, so some of the updates that are coming are annotating, uh, on these, these tools and these PDFs as, as you're mentioning, right? Yeah. You upload multi-page PDF, kid gets a, a, array of tools. They can use text box images. They can upload, uh, they can mark it up. They can submit it to teacher. Teacher can download it. Kids can view it. Um, and then the eighth app will be, uh, video, right? Kids can, can create a video based on the teacher's task and and up and then they submit it same concept to the space they can watch other other uh, videos of their peers interact with those and then uh and then the teacher just builds the next piece now i want you to write about you hey you just watched all your class videos pick which one you agree with the most and the one you disagree with write about those and then check it boom right and now they're on to the next task before we go i love this i love this end question i love this end question this is the great one so if you could leave just one message on a post-it note for every educator, whether you have to put your admin hat back on, your teacher, whatever you got, what would it be? What would it say on that one post-it note? I love that question. Hmm. Uh, you know, I've got uh, being a, a, a coach and, and in some of the pitch I've been, I've got, you know, this Rolodex of like, you know, quotes and like motivational things that are spinning through my head. But uh you know, right now in the moment, um, you know, all things given, right, where we are and, 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 and what's transpired, you know, I think that 
the sticky note that every teacher could probably use right now as a reminder uh, that there is, no matter the circumstances, that there is always one more thing you can do to influence a situation in your favor. Mm. Um, you know, and probably more than just teachers could use that. But, you know, the, the idea that like, you know, like no matter where we are, where we're going and how dire it seems and how challenging it seems and how difficult it seems, uh, there's always one more thing you can do to influence this in your favor, you know, and then the tricky part is, and then there's one more thing and then one more thing. And, and you, you can always keep maneuvering a thing, a uh, situation, you know, and that's quite honestly what, you know, the probably the reason it pops in my head is, is that's, you know, where I'm at personally, right. You know, uh, up against, uh, you know, quite a challenge here trying to, to bring something that's, you know, uh, such a large scale project uh, to life and, and trying to, you know, uh, to, to sell in a very challenging time, right? But uh, I refuse to accept that that there's not one more thing we can do to influence this in our favor because I know at the end of the day that we have something, uh, and this is why I feel, you know, the most blessed and, and fortunate is that, you know, uh, I get to wake up every day and work on something that, that I know ultimately, uh, you know, uh, can change the human condition and, and make education a better place. And it's just a matter of, of time until that that pops and becomes a reality. So. Um, that's probably my sticky note for that's, self and others. That's amazing. It's been great spending some time with you, Scott and Andrew, obviously. Um, we appreciate your, your time tonight, Scott. So thank you so much. No, you guys, uh, you guys have been great. Uh, really enjoy uh, listening to the show and I look forward to, uh, to listening to others, right? It's a, it's a great outlet and a great opportunity for those that are passionate about uh, the classroom to, uh, you know, listen here and have an opportunity to, to steal the best of what's out there from others. So, Keep it up. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Scott. We really appreciate it, ma'am. Okay. Be good, fellas. And that concludes another episode of People Who Teach. We want to thank Scott for coming on the show with us, sharing his experiences and his stories, and also his educational platform. If you'd like to check it out, you can find it in our show notes. We also want to thank you for showing up, coming and supporting us. And if you find value in people who teach, we ask you to subscribe, share with colleagues, and spread the word. Thank you for all that you do. Until next time.